0: State of Brooklyn, Neil Diamond. God bless you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Batters, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is
0: on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
1: Day two. Neil Diamond Week. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. It just gets better as the week goes along. We start to pick up momentum. People start buying in, or the people who hate Neil, they just start to get over the fact that they hate Neil, and they just they succumb. <laughs> they just they're like, all right, fine, I'll I'll do this for a couple of days. We're gonna talk, we're not gonna talk about Neil a whole lot today, outside of five or ten minutes. I'll tell you more. I'll give you a rundown of the show here in a minute or two. Last night, I had a terrifying experience. I want to share it with you. My heart skipped a beat. I had a little bit of a flashback PTSD experience. I got home, and the national championship game doesn't start until after 8. I think it started at 8.20 last night. And I got home around 7, so I have an hour and 20 minutes. Okay, what am I going to do? Well, when I have time to kill, I open up the NBA app on my TV, and I see what games are on. Right, Even if it's Magic, uh, Raptors, Jazz, Lakers, whatever. Whatever game is on, I'll throw it on. No games last night. Schedule was empty. I thought it was a glitch. And I had violent flashbacks to 2020. Remember when the season shut down and we just didn't know what to do with ourselves? The NBA schedule was empty. College basketball schedule was empty. You would just go to ESPN.com and look at the schedule or the scoreboard and there was nothing. (sighs) No NBA games last night. I got freaked out. It brought back memories from right when the pandy was getting underway, the before times, as our friend Ebo would say. Luckily, the national championship game was awesome. Luckily, we have a bunch of NBA games tonight, including Bucks Bulls, which I'm very, very excited to go home and watch because I have nothing else going on. I can just be a pile of dump on the couch and watch that game. Last night, got a little scared, though. A little frightened, a a little freaked out. I'm glad that that moment has passed. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're not going to talk a ton about the NBA today. I've been doing a lot of that over the last week, and I think it's been warranted because the Bucks have been playing really well. I love their chances. We're almost to the playoffs, and there have been a lot of fun NBA stories the last week or so. Tonight, I want to do college basketball. Kansas coming back from I believe 16 down, 15 in the second half. Uh, one of the biggest. I think it actually tied the biggest comeback ever in the national championship game. Maybe it tied the biggest comeback in the final four, whatever, a historic comeback for Kansas last night. I want to start with that. I want to revisit a conversation we started on the Packers yesterday. And I want to revisit a point that Vagabond John, our good friend made when he called in. And even Richie and Eau Claire, who referenced Moneyball. And I actually went and pulled a clip from the movie to play and to use as a bit of evidence because I want to continue that conversation. I feel like we only just scratched the surface yesterday. So we're going to talk more Packers uh, especially that wide receiver position. James Jones joined the Bill Michaels show today. And Ben Kenny, the nice man that he is, my radio cousin, emailed me some of the sound bites. So we might get James Jones' input on the Packers wide receiver room if we have time. Evo is going to join us at 4.30 to talk Packers talk college basketball, talk a tiny little bit of bucks. And we're also going to draft our favorite Neil Diamond songs to celebrate the occasion of Neil Diamond Week. So that's coming up just in the first hour of the show. The second half, David Gasper's going to be here reviewing the brew. His yearly bold predictions article has dropped at reviewing the brew. I was perusing it. I have some bold predictions of my own. So David Gasper, our Brewers guy, good, good buddy. UW Lacrosse Eagle as well will join us at 530 to do some bold Brewers predictions as opening day is on Thursday. Give me a text or a call, 608-796-2558. You can follow me on Twitter and tweet me anytime, not just during the show, at Wisco Grant. Let's start with last night. Let's start with the national championship game, Kansas and UNC. I'm not a huge college basketball guy. Shocker to you. I know I only mentioned that about a dozen times every single show. As a casual fan, I can't complain about anything in this Final Four. Really watchable games. Kansas and Nova, Duke and North Carolina. I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about Nova, but I know Jay Wright. I know how they go about their business. Kansas is a team we all know. Duke-UNC, we actually got that rivalry in the Final Four. That's great. There was no deep-cut team in this Final Four that needed explaining, right? It's like, well, this team, uh, you might not know a whole lot about them, but they run this crazy 1-3-1 zone that's unstoppable. No, 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 no. I get Kansas. I get Duke. I get North Carolina. I get Nova. I understand all of that. It was a really digestible Final Four. Yesterday, I compared it to Cavs-Warriors when we had that four-year rivalry in the NBA Finals. It was great for everyone. Now, NBA purists and people who watch a lot of games, they would complain about, oh, there's no parody. But really, it was great for the league because fans that only watched in the playoffs could come back every year, and they recognized the names and the faces. They recognized the rivalry. It was great. In the same way that I think this was a great Final Four for casual fans, even like myself, one thing about college basketball that makes me laugh, uh, and it's it's a reason why sometimes I struggle to get into college basketball, something I hear all the time, man, the kids care. They care so much. This means so much to them. As if winning a championship doesn't matter to the superstars in the NBA. But, but whatever. I was listening to Cowherd's Open yesterday, and I saved this clip. It made me laugh.
0: College basketball skill level isn't great. The officiating drives me nuts. But, man, do they care. <laughs>
1: Like, come on, right? Okay, so you don't like the style of play. You don't like the skill level. You don't like the rest. Oh, but they care. Okay, they care. Uh, first grader does an art project in school. They really care about that art project. They put their heart and soul into it, but it still stinks. We don't put it in a museum. Lives on the fridge for a couple weeks and then it ultimately gets pitched. This is something I laugh at when people say, man, do they care?
0: College basketball skill level isn't great. The officiating drives me nuts. But man, do they care. Man,
1: do they care. In the past, I would laugh at that. I laughed at it yesterday, but I'm not going to lie. Last night, watching North Carolina give away a lead, watching Kansas fight back, and then the two trading blows at the end of the game, I feel like my heart grew two sizes, like I was the Grinch. Because last night, I kind of got it. Last night, I appreciated college basketball for reasons that I normally mock. Right? I normally don't buy into the idea that these kids just care more than NBA players. They're not paid, so it's, it's for the love of the game. Okay, that, that never made sense to me. Last night, I, I got it. I got to feel for it a bit last night, especially with North Carolina. North Carolina basically has five and a half guys. They don't really have a bench, and they've now been playing game after game after game. They've been playing this whole tournament. And they've been playing must-win basketball really since the end of the regular season. They're tired, playing a lot of minutes, and it's not a deep team. Their one bench guy almost threw up in the second half. Puff Johnson took a slug to the stomach and he doubled over. He could barely breathe. It looked like he was going to throw up on the floor. And nobody knew what was going on. I thought the announcers, (laughs) I don't know if it was Raftery or Nance or Grant Hill, or who said it was like, man, he's a bench guy. He's not used to playing these minutes. You can tell it's impacting him. Oh, is that why he's grabbing his chest and he can't stand up? I don't think that's the reason. I don't think that's the reason, Jim. It's like, this guy is used to playing 10 minutes, but tonight he's played 16, so you could tell his body's about to collapse. Man, they're D1 athletes. They're in good a shape now at the end of the season as they have been at any point. That's not why. And then we learned through the broadcast, uh, he took a blow to the stomach and it knocked the wind out of him and he had trouble getting the air back into his lungs. We've all been there, right? Brady Manick got concussed, I'm pretty sure, by taking an elbow to the forehead. And then he got hit in the head again, which I think reversed his concussion, so ultimately it all... It all balanced out. This man took a beating. He was getting beat up. Armando Baycott, right, the center that we've been hearing about for the last two or three weeks now. He blew out his ankle the other night in their game against Duke. Said, man, you'd have to, you'd have to cut my ankle off to keep me out of the game. Right. And then last night he hurts it again in the final minute or so. Caleb Love tweaked his ankle early in the game, the guy who blew up and scored 25, 27 points, whatever it was, in the second half against Duke on Saturday night. He blows out his ankle early in the game, kept playing. He waved off the bench. He's like, no, I'm not coming out. And maybe an injured Caleb Love was better than whoever the Tar Heels were going to bring off the bench because they don't really have a bench. And he stays out there and he's hobbling around. He can't really move all that well. Might have actually been a bad thing that he stayed out there because he shot five of 24. Puff Johnson, Brady Manick, Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, all these guys literally giving up their bodies. They're literally out there taking a beating. They're getting injured. They're playing through it because <sighs> they care. They care. It means a lot to them. All right. Is that what you want me to say? I admit it. I admit it. I'm like the Grinch. Last night, I think my heart grew two sizes. Or maybe I was just maybe I was just hallucinating because I was so tired because the game started at 8.15 at night, which is way later than a college basketball game. A national championship game needs to start. North Carolina blew a 16-point lead. And... Normally watching a game like this, I'd get upset because North Carolina took so many bad shots in the second half. Actually, it'd be faster to list the good shots they took in the second half. It would be more efficient. It would be faster to go possession by possession and pick out the good shots they took because there were very few. A lot of ugly possessions, a lot of turnovers, a lot of bad shots, a lot of layups that just didn't have a chance. You're fading away. You're trying to floater over a defender. It's just not good basketball. It's not good offense. But, again, you could tell it really meant a lot to UNC. I don't think it was a lack of effort. It wasn't a lack of heart. They just they got injured. They ran out of gas. They really wanted it, and that's, that's cool. I'm coming around on this idea of college basketball.
0: College basketball skill level isn't great. The officiating drives me nuts. But, man, do they care.
1: Man, do they care. Normally, I'd laugh at that. But last night, I'm like, you know what? They do care. I do see it. And it might not be my favorite product, but I thoroughly enjoyed this game from start to finish, even though it kept me up way later than I wanted to be awake. Last night, there's no NBA games on. So the second that this game was done, I, I get to go to bed. I can go right upstairs. I can pass out. And it just, just drug on. It's like, man, it's 1030. I'm going to stay up later tonight than I normally do. And yet, I watched with a smile on my face. I felt bad for North Carolina. I felt like I was watching a Packers playoff game in the second half. What's that? uh, That law what is it um philosophy or logic or reasoning or i don't know what field this comes from murphy's law i think it's murphy's law states that what can go wrong will go wrong i want to call it lambo's law because it always seems to happen in the second half of playoff games with the packers right what can go wrong will go wrong and it felt that way for north carolina last night although it might not have totally been north carolina's fault I think today we would normally crush the team that blew a 15 or a 16-point lead in the second half. We've been doing that to the Jazz for two weeks. We're like, stupid, dumb Jazz. What a dumb team. They can't, they can't hold a 25-point lead. What a stupid team. They should trade everyone. Like, we have an angst towards the Jazz. UNC last night, I'm like, man, I, I feel for them. They were gassed. They were all banged up. They're at the end of the string here, and they just they didn't have enough left in the tank to close it out. At halftime, Kenny, Kenny the Jet Smith, said the only way UNC loses this game is if they start turning the ball over. And that happened. They turned the ball over a lot, gave up a lot of free buckets. That's exactly what happened, right? And all of those turnovers allowed Kansas to get out and run and score in bunches, score quickly, without taking a lot of time off the clock, without needing to run any offense, easy free points that are easy to come by, assuming UNC's going to cough the ball up, and they did. That's the only way to come back down 15 points in a college basketball game. You need a bunch of easy, free buckets. And North Carolina gave Kansas a bunch of free and easy buckets. It truly felt like I was watching a Packers playoff loss. That's what it felt like last night. It's like, oh, no, they're up 16, and everything has to go wrong for them to lose. Oh, I've seen this movie before. I've seen this with the Packers in the playoffs. If only they do this, 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 then they win. Well, this, 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 and this all happened. Like in 2016, like 2019 against the Bucs, 2019-2020, against Tom Brady at home. God. I, I, I felt for North Carolina. I, I don't feel like they should be criticized. Whoa, that's sloppy basketball. No, I, I think that's the only brand of basketball they had left in the tank to play last night. And I feel for them. But that's brutal, right? They've been riding high as a Cinderella of sorts. It's difficult to call North Carolina a Cinderella. And they're not quite. They're still an eight seed. Right, eight seeds make the Final Four. It's not unheard of. Um, but it feels like they finally ran out of gas and ran out of magic in the second half. And good for Kansas. Really impressive comeback win. And of course, oh, the one-seeded Kansas City Jayhawks, as they were called in the post-game by Mark Everett. <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, I'm the NCAA president. Everyone on Earth hates me. How about I call the national champions by the wrong name? Kansas Jayhawks? Rock Chalk? No, you guys are the Kansas City Jayhawks. Here's your trophy. <laughs> I'm going to go home and sleep on my pile of money. <laughs> you know who I feel for most last night? The video editors that had to put together one shining moment because you know at halftime they were, they were putting together a video for North Carolina. And as the second half rolled along, they're like, damn it. Stop, stop, stop work. We start over again. Make a, <laughs> make a video for Kansas instead. Or the sports writers that are trying to put their story together. Man, 16 points. North Carolina couldn't close it out. Felt a little bit like a Packers playoff loss. I want to talk about the Packers coming up next. We got a call from Vagabond John yesterday. He made some awesome points about the offseason. I want to get back to that. Richie and Eau Claire brought up Moneyball. I think that money is, or that movie, not that money, uh, is a good piece of evidence uh, and a good artifact to use in discussion about this Packers offseason so far. So we're going to do that next Ebo is going to join us in about 15 minutes to talk Packers, Bucks. We're going to talk college basketball, and we're going to draft our favorite Neil Diamond songs as well. That's all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with
1: Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Neil Diamond Week. We're going to celebrate with our friend Evo from The Zone, coming up here in about 10 minutes. 608-796-2558. Schmidt on the north side. Thank you for the text. He says, looks like another day of what we call duck weather here in North La Crosse. Yeah, the sun peaked out for like a half hour this morning. I called my grandma because I had like an hour to kill this morning. I'm going to call my mom and dad tonight. I'm just checking some boxes, catching up with family. I called my grandma and she said, oh, what's the weather doing there? Is it crummy? And I said, no, grandma, the sun is out. And it's been out for about five, ten minutes and it's probably going to disappear very soon. And it did. Uh, But I knew my grandma would ask about the weather. So I appreciate the sun peeking out so I could uh, spread a little sunshine. Grandma's doing well, by the way. Want to make sure I was still going to mass and I am. Holy week's coming up. So Catholics, let's come on, get it strapped up, get it buttoned up. This is a big week for us. So uh, get it buttoned up. I know my, my grandma was happy. Now the last couple of weeks, I, she didn't ask about that. She asked about last Sunday. I said yes, I went to mass, uh, and I will go this weekend as well. You can find me on Twitter too at Wisco Grant. Tweet me during the show. Follow me there. It's a good way to uh, to go back and forth with you guys. I enjoy it. I want to talk about the Packers' off season because we started this conversation yesterday, and I feel like we didn't we didn't make enough headway. We didn't get all the way there. Um, I believe that they got worse, but they also had a good off season, right? That can be a thing. That can be true, right? A team can get worse, but also have a good offseason. It's like making the best of a crummy cribbage hand. You know, you get dealt a couple crummy cards. You're like, well, I can, you know, scrape together six or eight points out of this uh, and just hold serve until the next hand, and then I'll get a crib, right? Sometimes you just don't get a great hand, and it's up to you to do the best you can with it. And that's not exclusive to cribbage. That's a lot of card games. The Packers got dealt a crummy hand this offseason. And I think they did the best they could given the circumstances. Now, context of where they are as a franchise is also important. They have Aaron Rodgers for a couple of more years. And I think especially right now, it's not the end of the world to push out money because this thing is going to fall apart eventually. You might as well make the most of it while the window is open. Now, don't make the mistakes that the Saints are making and keep opening the window or thinking the window is open and keep going. No, when your window is closed, you got to realize that it's closed and act accordingly, but the Packers aren't there yet. So I think they made some moves that... given the context of their offseason and where they are with their quarterback and the rest of the NFC, which isn't very good. Vagabond John called in yesterday and said, Grant, the offseason is young. It isn't, it isn't. You know, free agency has come and gone for the most part. Now, we still have the draft, but you got to understand, every team gets to pick in the draft. That's not exclusive to the Packers. Oh, the Packers will add a wide receiver in the draft. Yeah, but so could the Bears and so could the Vikings, so could the Lions, so could every other team. It's like saying, well, I'm, uh, I'm not the richest man at my place of work, but payday's Tuesday. Well, yeah, but everyone else is getting paid too, right? So I, I understand that we have yet to get to the draft. I get that. But every other team gets an opportunity to draft players too. So if the Packers are trying to separate themselves, the draft is a tough place to do it. Now, Richie and Eau Claire yesterday brought up Moneyball, which I think is a good example, right? He was talking about losing a superstar, Devontae Adams, you recreate him in the aggregate. Now, I went and pulled the 45 seconds from this movie where Brad Pitt, Billy Bean, is explaining this. All of his scouts ask him, we got to replace Jason Giambi. Billy, where do you want to start? What player do you want to talk about first? None of them. Billy, we got 38 home runs, and 120 RBIs. Guys, we're still trying to replace Giambi. I told you we can't do it. And we can't do it. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The what? Jombie's on base percentage was 477. Damon's on base, 324. And Almadas was 291. Add that up and you get. You want me to speak? But are point of here yet. 1092. Divided by three. It's 364. That's what we're looking for. Three ball players, three ball
0: players whose average OBP is
1: 364. So the last couple of years. Two years, to be exact. Aaron Rodgers had a passer rating of 96.7 when throwing to Devontae Adams, his top target. It's very, very good. Adams gained 2.6 yards per route run in each of the last three years. Nobody else on the Packers' offense was able to top 1.52. No other wide receiver was over 1.43. He was great, and he was everything for the Packers. Now he is gone. So the Packers, I assume are going to try to recreate him in the aggregate. They're going to draft a guy, bring in a guy, and they're going to split up what Devontae Adams is doing and spread that production throughout a couple of guys. I hope that's what they're going to do because drafting one guy in the first round and expecting him to be able to do Devontae Adams things won't work. That's not going to work. That's what Billy Bean, Brad Pitt's scouts, were trying to do in Moneyball. We got to replace him. You can't. So let's get a couple of guys and spread that production throughout. Now, the last couple of years, the Packers are doing the opposite. They were using one guy, Devontae Adams, to do the, the role and the work of multiple guys. He was lining up in the slot. He was lining up split out wide. He was put in motion. They used him in the tap pass. They used him to go deep. They used him underneath. They used him up the middle. He was doing the work of multiple guys, right? The Packers wanted to get more production from MVS or Devin Funches, they tried or Amari Rogers, and those guys never panned out, at least Amari Rogers hasn't yet. So Devontae Adams had to do the work of everybody. Now they need to flip that script. Now, Devontae Adams is gone. So the production that Devontae Adams had, which is the production of three players, they now need to find two or three guys to pick it up. And I'm interested to see how Matt LaFleur handles it. He's got to switch up his entire offense, his entire idea. One player to do it all? No, we're not doing that anymore. Now we have two or three players. we got to do it all with them. Snip, snap, snip, snap. Changing philosophies, changing strategies. And Matt LaFleur has cooked up a pretty good offense the last few years with the ingredients that he was given. And he was given one stud wide receiver, and that's it. Well, now he has no stud wide receiver. You hope that he gets a couple this offseason to go with Lazard, and then, of course, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and Robert Tunyon will be back, too. Now he needs to flip that script. I'm really interested to see in what ways the offense looks different, and in what ways Matt LaFleur makes adjustments and makes tweaks. Because it's a challenge. He now has to coach a different offense with different personnel. I'm excited to see how he handles it. I have a hard time believing it'll be better, at least over a 17-game season, than it was with Devontae Adams. But in the playoffs, who knows? Maybe it can be more effective. That starts with hitting a home run in the draft with a wide receiver. Let's hold our breath. See if they're able to do that, and then we'll go from there. Let's take a break. We'll connect with Ebo to talk Packers. We're going to talk Bucks. Uh, I don't think we're going to do Brewers, Maybe a little college basketball, too. We're also going to talk Neil Diamond. Of course, it's Neil Diamond Week here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an excellent day. David Gasper is going to join us in one hour from reviewing the Brew to preview the Brewers season. We're just two days away. They start their season on Thursday against the Cubs. Brewers, of course, will be on the same station you're listening to right now. All across the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network, whether that's in Eau Claire or La Crosse or in Madison. We're going to do bold predictions. Gasper dropped his bold predictions piece as he does at the beginning of every season. Once upon a time proclaimed that Corbin Burns would be a Cy Young. That turned out to be true. I have some bold predictions of my own as well. So we're going to do that in an hour. Next, we're going to talk to Ebo from The Zone in Madison. He hosts Over the Line 6 to 10 in the morning. I joined his program this morning. And of course, seeing it's Neil Diamond Week, Ebo loves some Neil. So we're going to talk about that. But we're going to start with some sports. We're going to do Packers, little college basketball, little NBA. Ebo uh, joins us now. Enjoy. Ebo is here from The Zone in Madison. Ebo says on Twitter, Ebo, good afternoon. Hello, friend. How are you?
0: Grant, always a pleasure to join you on your fine, award-winning program. I am great.
1: So your program is excellent. Uh, And you guys, I think something that I love about listening to your show versus others, you guys are in Madison, so you and your your cronies, RJ and Rowdy and Ben and Zach, you guys do a really good job with the Badgers and with college sports, and that's something that I think I really lack. I don't talk about it as much. And I got to say, last night, national championship game, I felt like I was there with you. I really enjoyed that game. That was fun. And I felt even if it was just for a moment last night, like when the Grinch's heart grows a couple of sizes, I I was on my couch. I'm like, man, look at these kids. They want this so bad. And I was thinking thoughts about college sports I normally don't think.
0: Well, Grant, um, I think you and I both thought the same thing. And I saw your tweet. It's 820 for first tip. What are we doing? I don't care about the West Coast. I don't care about the East Coast. I care about the Midwest. care about myself. Let's have that a nice central time of like... 620 would just be beautiful. I loved Badger basketball six o'clock tips, mm-hmm. those were the best. But, um, we had a conversation this morning about who we're excited about because I know you're a big NBA guy and I love having you on to talk Bucks as mm-hmm. we did um this morning. Who in college basketball excites you for the next level? Because I Chet Holgrim, like maybe he's like a skinnier Kevin Durant, I don't expect him to have the same arc as Kevin Durant, but. Who's even exciting at the next level? That was just in college basketball.
1: You're not excited about Chet. I'm really excited because I he's not going to be on my team. Although I'd love him on my team, I'm excited to see how he plays out. I feel like we've never seen a player like Chet before. So if he goes to Oklahoma City or Orlando, like it'll be fun to watch from afar. He could be something we've never seen before.
0: No, I like his. I like his body frame. Like mm-hmm. he looks like Slenderman if he didn't kill kids and he went and played basketball. So I like if he, if he like made, something himself, Chet, if but, made something of himself.
1: If Slenderman made something of himself.
0: I don't, when I see this crop coming out, I'm like, I don't know who's even going to be like that good in the NBA coming up. I don't. Jabari
1: I don't. Smith at Auburn is amazing. But the frustrating thing about college basketball is he played on an Auburn team where he was in the point guard. So the guards would just forget to give him the ball. And that's really frustrating. Right. And then Paolo Bancaro on Duke. But I the problem is Duke's got so many good guys and I don't really like Duke. So I can't really get excited about a Duke guy.
0: When I was a, Not to do the, when I was a kid routine, but when I was a kid, um, you didn't have to go to college, right? It was, you could just go right from high school to the NBA. And it was, you know, like LeBron James was almost the last one. And I remember when Carmelo had to go to his one year of school, I was like, man, just get Melo into the league right away. And then Brandon Jennings, like he had to go to, he went to Europe. And I was like, just let these dudes in right away. I don't know who's a guy that would immediately affect the nba like a lebron did or I'm not saying brennan jennings did but he kind of did he but i don't think Ingram year. would affect the nba right away
1: well that's what stinks and this is the argument that i get into people with johnny davis and you probably get this on your show where people call or text in and they say he's not ready i was like well no one's ever ready when they come into the nba ever yeah um but if he's gonna win player of the year big 10 player of the year what do you want him to come back and win it again like how how can college basketball get you more ready it it can't you just need to you know it's the same thing in real life like you take a job or you take a next step in your life that you're not really ready for, like having a child, like ask a parent. They're, they never feel like they're ready for a child. It's just something that you do. And then you grow into. And I, I think the same of Johnny Davis, but that's probably a conversation you've had on your show too.
0: Oh, totally. And if Johnny Davis came back to Wisconsin, like selfishly, I would like it, but more importantly, I'd have to like see if he got bumped in the head Yeah. during the season. Like you're passing up how many millions of dollars for guaranteed money. Like, I would help you pack your bags to go to the NBA to make sure, like maybe just give me like a cut, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll drive you to the draft. Like,
1: <laughs> we're talking with Ebo of Over the Line on the Zone in Madison. I'm sorry, by the way, I, I made a joke this morning on your show that I that I regretted in the moment instantly. We were talking about uh, we were talking about NBA MVPs. And the MVP race. And, and you mentioned Joel Embiid and how he's whiny. And then I threw it back at you and said, Oh, is it because he has an accent, Evo? Is it because he's foreign? And I felt that. I was like, Why did I make that joke? That's not even funny. And then I heard that Ben Kenny did the same thing to you later on in the show, or at least that's what he told me. So I'm, I'm sorry yeah. that I did that. That, that wasn't a funny yeah. joke. I don't know what I was going for there.
0: Oh, don't apologize. Your apology is not, I don't accept it. But it's, <laughs> I've no skin off my hide. Yeah, Ben made the same thing. I was like, I am doing my crybaby voice. Like, oh, they don't like me. Where they don't like me? And it does kind of sound a, like
1: Embiid. That's what's funny I mean, about it is he does just kind of have a, a whiny voice. voice.
0: I do that for every player, no matter where they're from. So I told Ben, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what it is with you, younger generation guys, projecting your insecurities I know, on me. I know. But, you know, if you're like in your low early twenties or in your teens, like you just want to call someone. That's like call them out for being derogatory, even though they're not being one. It's like, it's just ingrained in you guys' DNA because of social media. I, I get
1: it. See, this is, and this is why I instantly regretted making that joke is because I knew what you were going to do with it. And I didn't know Ben was going to say that too, but Ben's a Sixers guy. And I was texting with Ben earlier today. Like I like Joel Embiid a lot. I think he's funny. I think he's a cool, unique player. I just hate it when he plays the Bucks because he's kind of whiny.
0: You can't cry foul and like no one likes me and when you're like the biggest troll in the NBA and when yeah. your sole purpose besides winning basketball games is to piss people off like you can't you can't go out there and cry about it and then go on Twitter and troll people it just you got to accept your trollness That's that's a good point well, I, I mean, I'm older. I get it. You guys are just, it's the cancel culture that's you know, <laughs> in is. your bones. I get there, it. <laughs> there it is. Uh, we're going to do a Neil
1: Diamond song draft in a couple of minutes. We're going to pick our favorite five, both of us. Sweet Caroline off the table, because that's that's just its own thing. It'd be like talking about Margarita with, the, with uh, Jimmy Buffett. So we're going to do that in a few minutes. First,
0: can I ask you one question really quick on Sweet Caroline? Yeah, please. So I have, um, and you've been to my house, you've seen my records. Yeah. I have recorded live at the Troubadour, Neil Diamond. And this was uh, this is from the early '70s, Grant. Uh, sorry, 1969. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And and it is "Sweet Caroline," and it's the first track to open up the album. And on the track, not a single person live in concert. Not a single person goes "bump, bump, bump" or "so good, so good, so good." Not a single one. They didn't even know to do it. It is so bizarre to hear "Sweet Caroline" without the ad-libs in there from the live audience it's like a trip so i would highly suggest listening to this. that makes me
1: happy and it's funny because my it's the same with and I'll, I'll use margaritaville again as an example right like when jimmy buffett sings margaritaville everybody goes salt salt it's like there was a time where this song carried itself i'm actually okay without the ad, ad- libs in sweet caroline it stands yeah. on its own without the ad libs that actually makes but me but if happy. you're drunk, drunk
0: downtown on regent street watching a badger game it's yeah.
1: y- you have to that's an excellent teaser, by the way, for what's to come. I have one Packers question for you. I'm very curious. Before we get to the song draft, I said yesterday when speaking with Vagabond John, who I know is a caller, a contributor to your show as well. He's I, in a band. Drummer, you should play with him. Is he really? I've, Ron wanted, Club. I've wanted to be in a band a for band. so long, and I can't find anyone. I can't find. I need a. Bass you got some player. licks on you, by the way. You're a damn good guitar player. See, now I don't. I don't want to be cocky about it. I, you know, it's it's like a You're side really thing. But I. I can never find people to play with. I with Vagabond John yesterday, which is the whole point of why we got talking about bands. I said that the Packers have both had a good offseason, but they've also gotten worse. Like, can both of those things be true? I think so. Right?
0: I'm said the same thing you did, Grant. We have, wow, mind meld going on right now. No, it's. Uh, I feel like they've regressed because slightly. Like, it's like if you're sitting on a fence. And part of me is like on one side, but the majority is kind of on the other side, and that's the regression side. Losing Devontae Adams definitely hurts. It's the best wide receiver in the game. And I don't know how you duplicate that when you're just on your roster right now with Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers, the ghost of Randall Cobb, and, you know, who else? It doesn't really matter. So losing, that's tough. But, you know, Jaron Reed's a nice addition. Um, I do like, you know, Devondre Campbell coming back and you got Rasul Douglas back there. If you can duplicate what he's done, Big Bob Tunyon is like an addition, even though, you know, he didn't play last year. And Diari yep. coming back didn't play last year is nice for the Packers. But I just think offensively, running back room is set, tight end's nice, line looking okay. But it's what happens with the wide receiver room? That's the biggest question. So I think the Packers who haven't drafted a, a wide receiver in the first round since 2002 that was Javon Walker. Are gonna have to dip into that that first round with the wide receiver? You play you play really cribbage,
1: right? You you strike me as a cribbage guy. I've never played. I've always wanted to, okay. But I've never played. Well, you I guess you don't need but I think of cribbage, and I'm sure this applies to other cards. I know too. about it. Yeah, where you get a hand and you're like, oh, okay, that's the best I could have done with the cards that I got, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't just apply to cribbage. I feel like that's the Packers' offseason. Like they got dealt. A a tricky bunch of cards, and they made the best of it that they could. I think that's a successful hand of cards. That's a successful offseason, even if they got a little bit worse by
0: losing So when Sterling Sharp got, and this might be too old for you, but when Sterling Sharp got hurt, Brett Favre kind of had to change his game. Mm -hmm. And I equate that kind of with Devontae Adams no longer here. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to change his game. Rodgers is the second reason why, or the second person I blame for the loss to the Niners, the special teams being first. But Rodgers totally focused in on Devontae way too much. So now Rodgers, we've always said his whole career, he makes the wide receiver. Um, And when they go elsewhere, they don't do diddly-poo. I think Devontae will be just fine in Las Vegas. But Aaron Rodgers now has an opportunity, back-to-back MVP, coming off another MVP year, obviously, to make another crop of wide receivers. So uh, we'll see. This is a big season for Rodgers. Panchakarma
1: cleanse, too. Get everything out of the system. All the vibes from... From Adams. And if
0: he doesn't make the next wide receiver grant, we can have therapeutic vomiting all season. (laughs) We can. Oh,
1: God. Okay, let's take a break. Uh, Ebo is here. We're going to draft our favorite Neil Diamond songs next. Ebo is here from The Zone in Madison. Ebo, like myself, uh, an appreciator, a savant of Neil Diamond and his expansive discography. Live albums, too. We were talking about a live album. I listened to Hot August Night uh, yesterday, live at the Greek Theater, again, early 70s, before they ad-libbed on Sweet Caroline. So Ebo, here's what I'm thinking we do. We both get five picks in a Neil Diamond draft. And I'm going to write these down as we go because I want to tweet them out. Uh, you're at Ebo says I'm at Wisco Grant. It's my show. I'm selfishly going to take the first overall pick. Remember, no sweet Caroline because that's, that's kind of its own thing. Are you ready?
0: I, I'm more than I was born for this.
1: I figured you are. With my first overall pick, I'm going to take the song Solitary Man. I, I love this song. I love the little opening guitar lick, the little acoustic guitar lick into the song. And the horns are fantastic. There's a horn section in the song. And I think young kids need to listen to music with just a, a trombone and a tuba. I think we need more of that. So that's why I love Solitary Man. That's my first pick.
0: A fantastic pick for a fantastic song. My first pick, Grant Bills, for Neil Diamond will be Girl, you'll be a woman soon. So, Grant, there's something. There's something. Now, this is the one that flies under the radar a little bit for Neil Diamond. Uh, This song is so good. It's it's, It's a little sensual, yet a little sexual side of Neil Diamond, and you get this nice little guitar riff and him just rocking away in the acoustic. The song is so good since it's my number one pick. That one band named Urge Overkill, you can hear them uh, when Vincent Vega takes out Mia Wallace in Pulp Fiction. They play Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. Urge Overkill covered Neil Diamond. That song and that song alone propelled them to stardom covering one Neil Diamond song and you never heard from them again. That is how good Neil Diamond composed that song.
1: Well, D- Neil Diamond wrote a lot of songs that other people then made hits. Like we talked about, I'm a believer, like the monkeys, and then Shrek yeah. obviously just propelled that song to the, to the next level. I watched I, Shrek the other night, by the way. Dude, it's so good. One of my favorite things is to day drink at my favorite bar in downtown Lacrosse. Show up at 11 when they open and they'll always have Shrek going on the TV <laughs> and just sit there as the sun comes in and just drink beers and watch Shrek. I absolutely Shrek. love it. Now, I, all of these next couple of songs to me are kind of equal i think my next favorite song is kentucky woman i love that song very it's fantastic i know very kentucky simple little guitar woman. shuffle and i was listening to it this morning it reminds me of the song blue boy by mac demarco
0: kentucky shine with her own light.
1: <laughs> like it's a precursor to yeah, that, song. that. They're, they're both in b and they both have the little slide up and I just, I don't know, I love Kentucky Woman. It's simple, but it's, I don't know, it does the trick Effective. Right? It's very,
0: very simple fun. and effective. My second pick, Grant, uh, both, my first and my second have something in common. They're both karaoke songs of mine, so if you see me out at a karaoke bar, I'll sing both of them. Uh, the next one for me is actually Neil Diamond's first Grammy nomination. I am, I said. Neil Diamond takes it on about his own time uh, in therapy, actually. Uh, just talking about himself and and the big city. I am, I said, to no one else. I love it, Grant Bills. My second song, and if you find me on a karaoke night, I'll probably be singing it.
1: LA's fine, but it ain't home. New York's home, but it ain't mine no more. LA's fine, but it ain't home. New York's home, but it ain't mine no more. Imagine feeling that way. Like you have two homes, but neither one really does the trick. That, that lyric hits home especially for he me. He was a man destined to be on tour. <sighs> Not even the chair. Not even the chair. There was no one there to hear. Not not even the chair. Uh, We're doing Ah. we're doing a Neil Diamond song draft with Ebo with the fifth pick, but my third pick. I think I'm going to take. I like the song "Thank the Lord for the Nighttime." I love that song. It's a it's a rocking song. He he can be slow and sensual as you have gone with your songs, but he can also bust down. There's a little bit of a switch up in the chorus where we kind of drop it down a little bit. He can. He absolutely can. Uh, There's a little switch up with the chorus. The drummer kind of cuts out and you just keep that bass kick. I love that song. I love it. I remember it from when I was very little.
0: Uh, Grant, uh, for my third pick, I love uh, buildups. That's why I love uh, like prog rock. So I love buildups like a big tool guy, uh, the band Tool. I uh, love the buildup of everything, and this song got has an ultimate buildup, and also is kind of just about, kind of about embracing life without the glitz and the glam. You don't mm-hmm. you don't need all the frills. Give me for my third pick, Neil Diamond's "Forever in it. Blue Jeans." I knew it. That song, um, right? The the buildup and just mm, Neil Diamond "Forever in Blue Jeans." Also, it was once a Gap part of a Gap commercial. So, really? Forever in blue jeans. Oh, yeah. You Red know, Red Blue
1: that song is not my favorite song, but it's on my board because the guitar picking intro is so catchy. It's phenomenal. It's, it's fantastic. a builder. I know. It's, a builder. it's got a great build. OK, so we're six picks in. We both have two more songs. So this is the seventh overall pick. It's my fourth. I feel like this song might come off the board, so I'm going to grab it. Uh, I, give me Cracklin' Rosie. Um, oh. And here's and here's why. When you sing along with this song, whether you're in the shower or in the car, I feel like I'm the one on stage. You cannot sing along with this song without having a little flair for the dramatic. Like you feel like a showman when you sing the song. And that's to me what Neil is really all about. And that's what the song provides. So I'm going to take. That's, the of the Neil
0: Diamond. that's why I dubbed him the greatest man to ever grace the stage. He's Neil, a he, showman. He, a showman. He's the ultimate showman. I saw him in concert and I was like blown away. And this was when he was like, oh, I mean, he's, that was 2005. He's still pretty old. He made out with like one of his, uh, his background singers. <laughs> it was, of course he did. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Grant for uh, my fourth pick mm-hmm. in the Neil Diamond draft. This one also, so my first two tied in the karaoke. This two tie into uh, one thing and one thing only. Forever in Blue Jeans, my third, my fourth, America. Nice. Because there's nothing more American than wearing some blue jeans, baby. Neil Diamond about coming to America when it starts out with that little string accompaniment, and then it goes into just the buildup, and you just – you're pounding your chest. Coming to America.
1: Oh. That's a great pick.
0: Very theatric of Neil, and it makes me makes me just love America. So Neil Diamond's America. Uh, okay, so this is my last pick. This is my fifth song.
1: I'm caught between two. I love them both. I think so. I was I, I considered Cherry Cherry here, but I think I'm going to leave Cherry Cherry. It can be an undrafted free agent, or you can have it with your last song. I think I'm going to take You Got to Me. I love this song. It's got this piano line that just hammers. And I remember when I was little, it was one of the first songs that ever figured out on piano when I was really little. We had a piano in our basement. Boom, 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 boom. It's, It's very good. Also, there's a harmonica. And as someone who was also raised on Jimmy Buffett, that's some nice crossover. A lot of harmonica and Jimmy Buffett music. So that'll be my last pick.
0: Love it. I, I love you playing some piano, Grant Bills. Hell yeah. And for my fifth pick, I had one that I was going to take. Um, have you heard of the band UB40? Oh, of course. Of course. So Red, Red Wine. Yeah. Neil, Di- Neil, there would be no UB40 if it wasn't for Neil Diamond's Red, Red Wine. I'm not taking that, though. I just want to say UB40 wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Neil. My fifth pick. If you meet a fine young lady mm-hmm. and maybe you go on to court her and date her and she has a certain name, you know her parents. Well, there's two ways this can go. Her parents are either gigantic Neil Diamond fans or the lady you're seeing might dance for money at night. But the, <laughs> the name of the song, and if you meet a girl named Desiree, She's a good woman because her parents love Neil Diamond. There's, if you had know a girl named Desiree, I guarantee you her parents love Neil Diamond so much that they named their kid Desiree. Give me a little later, Neil, 1977, Desiree. Another kind of builder, by the way. I know Great. a girl
1: named Desiree. Uh, Ask she,
0: her if her parents like Neil Diamond. Meet her somewhere where the lights were pretty dark and there's well, loud music. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, so that's where. Our,
1: no, we don't. We don't have. We're we have morals in our city, Ebo. I know your town is. There's just people. You know.
0: oh, in Madison, a lot of people pretend to have morals, Grant Bill. Uh, they pretend, funny. and then when you catch them uh, doing something nefarious, they deflect, deflect, deflect.
1: I love that. I'm going to tweet out the results. We both took five songs. This isn't really a competition thing. I just I wanted a way to both talk about some of our favorite songs. We and never
0: had any conflicting songs.
1: No. No, the whole cat. I celebrate the whole catalog. I know. Well, we're Neil fans, right? We yeah. appreciate it through and through: live album, studio, mono, stereo, from beginning to end. Uh, it's all good, Ebo. I appreciate this. It was nice to chat with you. Maybe I'll see in a couple weeks. Uh, I expect yeah, to get an anytime drink with you. I appreciate you coming on and talking it's to on Thank me. I know. Listen to Neil Diamond on the jukebox. Thanks, Ebo. Have a good one. You too, man.